0: This message was recorded during a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. thanks so much for coming out this morning to spring edition of Cornerstone U if you don't uh, if I haven't met you I'm, I'm Jeff one of the pastors here and uh, I get to do an awful lot of uh, the biblical counseling activity here at the church uh, which is my joy and, um, and so I'm excited about these next uh, four weeks, four weeks crammed into five, and uh, we get to explore a little bit about about biblical counseling. I think uh, I think the course is not intended to make us all biblical counselors. Uh, the course is not intended to uh, solve all of the difficulties in our lives. Um, but what the course is in, uh, intending to do is to show you just how much. God has revealed in his understanding of how our hearts work uh, and and just how much uh, power He has invested in his revealed word and as we consider life through the lens of scripture, uh, what we find is that makes it makes all the difference. There are a couple of handouts there's a an outline and then also a diagram of what we'll be studying over these next four classes, the three trees. So we'll be referring to some of those things along the way. So if you don't have one of those, be sure uh, to grab one. All right, let's pray real quick and then we will launch right in. Lord God, thank you for your mercy that we have this morning. Thank you that we awake uh, to find that that your mercies are new again today, that you are available to us, that you bid us to come freely to the throne of grace uh, because of the gospel of our Savior. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you that we have access to the Father because of your perfect work. Pray that you would attend to us by your Spirit this morning, that you would reveal yourself as we consider your word in many ways, uh, that you would build faith uh, for your attending to us in your grand plans for our lives, uh, for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, what would it be like to be like Christ? In our thoughts, in our emotions, our desires, and in our spiritual strength, what would it be like to be like Him? What would it be like to face our circumstances, our successes, and our failures like Christ? What would it be like to interact with each other like Christ. Well, what if I were to tell you that that is exactly the will of your heavenly Father for you to enjoy? Now, do you think about that often enough? Do you dream of a day when you will have set aside every weight of sin and personal weakness to exist like Him, to be changed I'm not like that yet, but the promise is that He is going to make me more like that throughout my life. His promise is that I am going to be changed. Now, biblical counseling is all about the business of helping people to grow to be more like Christ, and we know that God desires that for us. So here are 2 Corinthians 3.18 and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So biblical counseling seeks to appreciate that there's a way that God intends to encounter his people to reveal his glory for us to behold and that he changes us through that. He changes us by revealing himself to us, and he changes us by using what he has given to us. He has given us a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he changes us through that. So hear the words of our Savior um, through the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1. who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Blessed in Christ, chosen in Christ, holy and perfected in Christ, redeemed by Christ, forgiven in Christ, given access to mysteries in Christ, heirs in Christ, secure in Christ, What a relationship. What an amazing thing that we have been given. What incredible power and promise exists in those opening uh, verses from Ephesians 1. There is power, there is access to the Holy Spirit at work within us because of our relationship with Christ, because we are in Him. We have access to something amazing. Secondly, biblical counseling understands that God is changing us through our relationships with other Christians. So now we'll go from chapter 1 of Ephesians to chapter 4 of Ephesians and listen to this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we have our relationship with Christ and we have our relationships with each other. Far from an understanding that dealing with the challenges of our lives is best done by experts outside the church. Good biblical counseling understands that the whole body of Christ exists to build itself up and to build one another up, and it supports that work. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers are given to the church to help encourage and equip ministry throughout the church. So biblical counseling holds that real change occurs as we come alongside one another in times of need. So it's more than just providing solutions to problems that you face, it's about helpful conversations that suggest what God may be doing in your character in the context of the problems that you face. And it has a biblically-based model for understanding the heart and how it's changed. And that model comes from Jeremiah 17 and we call it the Three Trees. And this is going to be the thrust of the class these next few weeks. So, we don't really want to be all about just giving kind of a pat answer or a solution to the problem. If two people are arguing about what TV show they want to watch at nine o'clock on Thursday night, we don't say, well, why don't you get a TiVo so that you can record one and watch it later? We want to be about saying, let's talk about what's going on in your hearts. Let's, Let's talk about how this conflict may be something that God is saying, I want to address the selfishness in your heart, in each of you. And that's the interesting part. So it's not just about providing, here's a practical solution. It's about saying, God is at work doing something amazing to change you. What might that be? And that's what the Three Trees gets at. So let's take a look at it. We'll begin by reading from Jeremiah 17 first. I hope if one thing you take from this class is, wow, there's a lot of Bible in it, then that's a great answer. Jeremiah seventeen five through eight. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Contrast that. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. All right, we begin by noting that there are two trees explicitly referred to in Jeremiah 17, a parched shrub producing nothing good, and an irrigated verdant tree bearing fruit. Now, each tree experiences the heat of the desert's scorching sun, but only one of them has access to an abundant water source, and therein lies all the difference. The dry tree is going to be baked by the heat, leaving only scrub and thorns, as no leaves or flowers could withstand being parched like that. But the watered tree, on the other hand, thrives. The water it enjoys cools the plant, fills the cells of the the leaves and fruit, and it uses the power of the heat to create beauty. So the Lord paints for Jeremiah a vivid picture, a metaphor that helps him to understand uh, not only himself, but us as well. And that something from outside of us affects us from within and is needed so that we may thrive in a world of difficulties and challenges. Just like the dry tree can't produce its own water, we can't produce God's grace on our own. Now the grace that the Lord refers to in Jeremiah that makes all the difference is what he calls trust in the Lord, belief in God. Faith. Now, the third tree of our metaphor in our our model is an implicit one, and it is the cross of Christ, which we know is the greatest demonstration of merciful initiative and activity of the Lord toward his children, making possible our faith. You don't find that third tree explicitly listed in Jeremiah 17, but you do find that something has been given <coughs> Excuse me, to one of those two trees. And it's all of grace. The fruitful tree doesn't get watered because it's fruitful. That's an important thing to note. It doesn't receive water. It doesn't receive the grace of God because it's been fruitful. It's fruitful because it has been given water. It has received grace. <clears throat> the grace we enjoy is not made possible entirely by the cross of Jesus and so it becomes the indispensable third tree of our model. It is the tree that makes all things possible. <clears throat> now we will talk more about that in week three, appropriately coming the week after Easter, but now let's think more about the heat. All right. <clears throat> Heat may come in the form of a dry throat. <clears> throat> <laughs> the heat in our model constitutes anything that affects us. And perhaps it affects us in a way that brings about an emotional response, <clears throat> a physical response, or an effect on how we think. The heat refers to life's outside influences upon us. A couple of real important things to note. <clears throat> First, heat could be something good or bad. We tend to think of heat as bad. Well, it might be bad, or it may be something in itself that's very good. So sometimes, sometimes you'll hear us talk about a test of prosperity. Provision is a very, very good thing, of course, and we pray for it regularly. But what if we receive the abundance of God's provision <clears throat> and we misuse it? or we put our trust in the provision itself instead of the one who provided it. So good heat, good outside influence can be a temptation. Second, <clears throat> notice again that both the thorn bush and the fruit tree in our model experience heat. It's the same heat. <coughs> yeah, <laughs> actually it would. Thanks dear, my helper made fit. All right, so notice that both the thorn bush and the fruit tree experience the same heat. Now, sometimes the mistake is made to treat the thorn bush as an unbeliever and the fruit tree as a Christian. So you can look on the notation even on your Three Trees handout and you, you see that the notation under there is Luke 6. Well, here's Luke 6 and, and Jesus' words and you can see how easy it would be to make this mistake. So Jesus says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So you can see how you could look at this model and think, well, there was a time that I was a thorn bush, but then because of the cross of Christ, I now am a fruit tree. And so... Or, you know, and I feel sorry for those people who aren't believers because they're just, they're just uh, thorn bushes, whereas we are fruit trees. That would be a simplistic way of of understanding Jesus' word, and and we don't don't want to take his word simplistically. What the model is showing is that in each of us, there exists a good person and an evil person. Now, our hope is that the good person within us grows and the evil person diminishes in our lives. And that's the promise that God has made for us. Now, ultimately, there will be a clear division of all the evil persons who are unbelievers, whose evil will no longer be tempered by God's common grace toward them. And the good persons who are God's people whose sins will be no more, But until that time, each of us has a war waging within us. Now, neither can we conclude that unbelievers just experience bad heat and Christians experience the good, obviously. We all know that from our own own lives. The difference between the two is not between the kinds of heat that they experience. The model is one of an individual, It's reflecting the state of his or her heart in any particular moment of heat, whatever that heat may be. And this picture can be quite dynamic in our lives. Now the Bible absolutely recognizes this. Read the Psalms. Uh, Most of them have to do with the psalmist uh, facing some kind of threat or suffering, uh, God's people facing real enemies, real threats. Or read Hebrews, in which God's people are tempted to respond badly uh, to real pressure. Um, or, as we studied in our Samuel series, uh, look at the life of David. You know, here's, here's, a, here's one of God's people, a man after God's own heart, in fact, who received an awful lot of really, really good, uh, received some, some hardships as well. Um, but, but the question was, how would he, by God's grace, respond to those things? And how would he respond when he didn't respond well? So there's the big idea of all this saying, because the third tree, the cross of Christ, exists for us, there is opportunity for us to lay hold of grace so that our hearts will be transformed to be, less like the thorn tree and more like the fruit tree. So that's the big picture of, of heat. Um, there are some kind of categories that I think are helpful to, to think through, and we'll, we'll run through some of that. But the big picture is uh, make sure that you look at this diagram as <clears throat> this is a snapshot picture of a heart. And what I want to do is to say, whatever the heat may be in this moment, um, How is it that, how is it that I'm responding? And what does the cross of Christ offer as a potential for me and how I may respond? All right, some categories about heat uh, that we ought to take a look at. um, And I'm sure that you're going to recognize how some of these play into your life as well. First category of heat is uh, the world. Uh, Here's one Peter four. but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. So don't be surprised that the world is aligned against you. As Jesus elsewhere told the disciples, if the world hates him, they could certainly expect to be hated as well. Now Peter wrote to a church under uh, Overt, obvious persecution. Now, while we don't face the Romans in the same way that they did, we do face an enemy just as sinister, perhaps only sneakier. So how many ways does the world seek to overturn God's rule? And how difficult does the world make it on us to walk in accordance with what God has said, to walk as Christians in this world Opposed to us. The world makes, for example, materialism very attractive. It wants us to trust in stuff and it does a great job of making stuff seem trustworthy. There is a reason why those folks on Madison Avenue get such big paychecks. The world is increasingly bold in rejecting God's design for sex and gender. You see that all around us every day, we're inundated with it. The world has a consuming focus on health, both physical and mental. And it has a deficient appreciation for its ability to cure. And when it can't, its, real, its only real answer is merely alleviating symptoms. The world's focus on health boils down to coping. It's therapy over life change so much. And, that, and that's, that's a challenge to us, to face all that the world is proclaiming to us all the time. The billboards and the advertisements and the conventional wisdom and the culture around us all screaming to us, this is what is true, this is what is important. And if we're not careful, that still small voice of God gets drowned out in all of that noise. So there's a challenge from without, but what about challenges from within? So second category, first one was the world, second one is the flesh. And let's consider Romans seven. This is verses 15 through 20. but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. My remaining sin is not interested in the things of God. Now, it may participate in some things of God only as it sees a fraudulent opportunity, like, church as a social club or a business or a networking center or whatever. So sometimes you can see the falseness in so much of, for example, the church of the Bible Belt. It's really not easy to do battle against this. My flesh does not want to grow in the things of God because it knows that God intends to put it to death ultimately. <clears throat> and furthermore, I'm just lazy. <laughs> I, just, I just really like to have things be easy. And this is a struggle. This is a battle. And here's where good things, heat as good things, uh, may have their greatest effect. Uh, I really like provision. I, I like the good things that come to me and I like to enjoy them, and I begin to clamor for more of them, and uh, and, I can, and I can understand good things like God's provision wrongly, and I can misuse those things. <clears throat> the problem is we just so often take the easy route and, uh, and therefore respond badly <clears throat> to what we encounter. So pleasant or hard circumstances... The effects of heat on our flesh can include things like good intentions falling by the wayside, bad habits continuing. You can hear that throughout what Paul says in in Romans seven. I, I don't, I don't understand this. Why can't I do what I want to do? And why, why do I keep doing the things that that I don't want to do? You know, it's it's almost like he's he's saying, <clears throat> you know, we're, I'm a grown up for Pete's sake. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like I ought to be able to have some self-control, that I ought to be able to make a decent New Year's resolution and stick to it? Why, why, do they, why do all these things so often fail? Well, it's because my flesh is not interested in the things of God. My flesh battles against. And so when outside influences come to me in the form of heat, uh, A secondary kind of heat arises in what my flesh desires to do in response to my circumstance. All right, so we've had an outside influence that's impersonal, an inside influence that's very personal, and we have another outside influence that's also personal. Uh, we We have a personal enemy who is the devil. Our friend Peter again helps us to be aware. So here's 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Whose little voice is that (laughs) suggesting to us all sorts of wickedness? A voice that does things like deny the dignity and value and beauty of a redeemed child of God. A voice that undermines the work and efforts that are meant to glorify God and serve his people by the redeemed children of God. It's really, it's really very interesting to talk to pastors about this last thing, for example. <clears throat> it's, it's remarkable how common it is for us uh, in, in this battle and, and to hear basically something along the lines of, you're a fraud. You're wasting your breath. You've got better things to do than pretending that you can serve the church. Now, I know you all hear things like that as well. You're a terrible husband, father, leader. You're a terrible wife, mother, friend. You're not lovable. You're not fill-in-the-blank. Whose little voice is that? So you have pressures on you in this fallen world. enemies that are opposed to you. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, does God care about that? (laughs) You bet he does. So why does God care about all that? Would you be tempted to think, or have you thought in the past that the reason your heavenly father would be at work in your life is because he's just kind of disappointed in your shortcomings? What if I told you instead that it's because of his great acceptance and love he already has for you that makes him interested in changing your life? Here, Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknows for knew he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn, among many brothers. Uh, I'm afraid the first verse in that verse twenty-eight, <clears throat> too often gets kind of floated out at people who are having a hard time suffering in in some in some way without much of an explanation, for what it really is saying. You know left left on its own, verse twenty-eight. Um you know we know that that for for those who love God all things work together for good um you know that that's that that can be something that's not really particularly helpful in the midst uh, to hear in the in the midst of suffering without without really digging into more of what that's about so it can kind of be left on its own with basically saying hey you know we can't know why this is going on but Just trust God has a purpose. Well, yes, trust God, of course. But God isn't asking us to just trust in something that he's hiding from us. He has something better that he wants to reveal to us. And what he's revealing for us, what he has in mind for each of his children, even if it requires that we walk through hardships, is that we be made into the image of His Son. Now, why is this incredibly good news? I'd like to do just a little bit of theological pondering with you for a second. All right. Whom does God the Father love the most? It's God the Son, right? So what are the implications for us if we are to be made into the image of the Son so that Jesus would be the firstborn of many brothers who are made like him. What if God's intention is to say, I have saved you and I have preserved you and I have reserved you for myself for all of eternity? And here's God the Son whom I love the most and I'm going to make you like Him so that there will be nothing that stands in the way of my pouring out my love upon you in the same way that I do my Son. What might be an obstacle to God the Father pouring out His love on any one of us? Is it not our un likeness? The ways where we're not like Christ, doesn't that stand in the way of him pouring out his love on us like he does his son? God the Father so wants to pour out his love on you and me in the same way that he loves his son that he is removing anything and everything about us that could stand in the way when we go to heaven to be with him and we have put away this body of death to be glorified, the Father's love will be totally unhindered. He will pour it out upon us in the same way he pours out his love upon his son. That future awaits us. But the reason he wants to change us in this life is not because of his disapproval of us or so that we would earn his favor. Both of those things have been dealt decisively with on the cross. No. He desires that we change in this life so that we would have an ever-growing amount of glimpses into that love that is to come. As we grow to be more like Christ, our experience of the treasure in the field, our communion with God himself, only grows. As we walk more in step with the Spirit, we will know more of the fruit of his presence. Now, does that fruit sound appealing? Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that come from our communion with God. And as we grow to be more like Christ, we will see and experience them more and more. So what the three trees intends to show us is that as we experience heat in this life, because of the perfect work of Christ, there is power available to us, the living water of the Spirit at work within us that transforms us from responding to the heat with thorns, and instead we respond to the heat with fruit. And that fruit is an ever-growing communion with God because we're being made more into the image of Christ. And that is an incredibly beautiful thing to consider. So biblical counseling is all about helping folks to think through that kind of paradigm. We want people to be able to say, as I'm experiencing X, Y, or Z in this life, I understand That because of the cross of Christ, there's something intended by God in this. Where might he show me my heart? Where might he show me where I'm to be made more like the Son? Not because he's disappointed in me, but because he intends for me to have great joy in experiencing more communion with him. And that's a very, very exciting thing. So, thanks for being here this morning for week one, as we consider the big picture and the heat uh, in the coming weeks. We'll meet again next Sunday. <clears throat> we'll take off Easter Sunday, and then meet the two following Sundays after that. Uh, the book that, that we're walking through that's kind of a, um, an outline of this, called Real Change, it uh, takes Dr. David Pallison's work on the three trees and all that and, and boils it down a little bit. Um, we're not exactly following what this book lays out. It's kind of laid out to be sort of a small group activity where, where you're going to be pairing up and, and talking through some of these things uh, one-on-one or in groups of two or three. Uh, we're not going to really do that in the same sort of way, um, but... Uh, I know that there are some care groups that are already planning to, to uh, do, do this as an, as an activity together. And uh, for those of you who are interested in looking at this as a companion to what we're teaching these next weeks, uh, this book is available in the bookstore. I think we're selling it for five bucks a pop cheap. And, uh, and there are there's a, a limited quali- quantity of them in there now, and we can certainly get more if we need to. All right, any questions? Did I say anything weird? I'm really jet lagged right, right now. I've been flying all week long and just got in last night, so if I said something dumb, understand why. <clears throat> questions about, the, about any of that stuff? Three Trees is beautiful. It's an, it's an exciting thing to think about that the God of the universe has such individual interest, such specific interest in me and my heart Uh, And what great promise it holds. So I can't wait to go in there and worship uh, together with you this merciful God. You've been listening to a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Cornerstone U exists to have our minds renewed by the Word of God, to see who God is, and to live in light of His Word and Gospel. To find out more about previous Cornerstone U classes, visit us on the web at www dot cornerstone church of knoxville com forward slash cornerstone dash you